0: You're listening to the Cheer Biz Podcast, where we dive into the business of running and owning your gym. Join us as we speak to industry experts, business gurus, and discuss how we can take your passion and turn it into profit. Let's get to it. All right, hello everyone. Welcome back. If you're Jason's audience, welcome back. We are here with Jason Larkins, the man, the myth, the legend, the personality on the Let's Talk Cheer podcast. Jason, my friend,
1: how are you doing? Dude, I'm great. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Yeah, I'm back, man. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Bienvenidos. I actually have a, uh, I came out with a course, like a coach's course that you can take. But what I'm really excited about, not just that I have a course now, but I've translated it into Spanish, so this is actually the first public announcement that it's in in Spanish. That's um, so. Bienvenidos, cool. and you know Antonio is my my guide, little AI guy who. You okay. Know, speak Spanish for me.
0: I was so. going to say, is it your voice speaking Spanish? Cause I might pay just to listen to that.
1: Yeah. It's definitely not me. And Antonio picked a nice deep voice to uh, <laughs> like a guy you'd run into in Cancun, like serving you cocktails. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just like, that's how I imagined him. So there you okay, go. Okay.
0: So we're going to definitely have to talk about that, uh, that product that you just, you know, worked in right at the beginning to be like, Hey, I got this new thing, which is smart. To um, all
1: your Spanish-speaking coaches, <laughs> do you have a ton of uh, Spanish- I'm I'm just uh, saying the product audience. in general. The product oh, yeah. in
0: general. So, yeah, we're super excited to have you back. Uh, I think this is the second or third time we've had you on on the Cheer Biz podcast. I've gotten the, the joy of being a guest on your podcast a couple times. I think it's fun. It's fun to watch your journey in your podcast. I think it's fun to kind of be on the same journey because- We launched around a similar time frame. I had had a a really brief podcast on the dream camp side of thing called the full out cheer podcast where I did interviews with cheer people while we were at camp and it was super fun and, uh, but it was just way too hard. Like after a full day of coaching camp to like, all right, Hey, you want to sit down for an hour long interview (laughs) and we would have a blast, but some of the time we were doing it at like midnight, you know? And it was just hard to maintain throughout the year. So that's kind of where I started. And then you started your podcast. And I remember the first time we talked, you had just your couch in the background. I think you were just using your AirPods. And now you're all upgraded. You have all the professional everything. You're killing it on social media. I, I love you know, all the stuff you guys post on of you. Instagram.
1: The first time it's I went not on, not because oh, of me, but no, is, you surpassed me you, dramatically. We, you came on and you talked about I don't even know how we want to call it was social it, media safety. How, yeah, social media safety with our parents. So it wasn't really the podcast podcast, but you came on and talked social media safety with our parents in our Facebook group. And I remember, like, just being so. I was like, dude, his eye contact is stellar like he never looks away from looks away from me and you're like oh yeah i have a camera here and but you're actually down here so i just got used and it's crazy now because i'm so used to just staring at the camera and i always think of you when people like mention something like that i'm like oh dan dan cotton told me he had a a separate camera this guy's fancy <laughs> he has a separate camera <laughs> to do this oh crazy so yeah now we have so now i have a, a camera and a ring light and you know, got a little background and everything, All but yeah, it has been, it has been fun doing this journey. And, um, it's cool to see there's so many people who like want to start a podcast and they start it and fizzle out. So it's been cool to see you just stick with it and, um, you know, continue the journey. And I remember we were texting one time and you're just like, no, I'm like, I'm in it. Like I'm in it for the long haul. And I'm like, yeah, yep. let's go.
0: Yeah. They, uh, they talk about like what it's, At 10 episodes, a lot of podcasts stop. And then if you make it past 50, you're in the top, like what, 10% of podcast creators. Uh, And then after that, who knows? It's crazy to look back on that. And it's, again, it's cool to see your journey too. But I got to say, I appreciate the content that you put out. Uh, As as a gym owner, I absolutely appreciate it. Uh, We just had a coach's coffee or not a coach's coffee. Uh, That's what we do at camp. We had a uh, coffee and conversation with our parents and a lot of next gen clients do it kind of towards the end of the year. Rather than do a survey, let's sit down and have conversation and drink some coffee and talk and get feedback rather than that kind of impersonal survey. We wanted to do a couple throughout the year, get parents together. And we were sitting down and one of the questions asked was, I'm newish or like, how do I how do I learn about this stuff? Like, how do I know what the heck is going on? Because the cheer world is such a unique world. It is its very Mm -hmm. own microcosm of society. And a number of parents referenced, well, you know, there's podcasts to listen to and they referenced listening to yours, listening to the let's talk Cheer podcast, listening to the cheer mom podcast. And I thought that was awesome because they are, They're hearing the perspective and the great thing is it doesn't, it doesn't have to come from me. Mm -hmm. So when you're on there, I think you just did one that was talking about like athlete absences that I saw and I was Mm -hmm. like, preach. And I actually want to talk about that today, but it's, it's very useful for gym owners. So if there are gym owners listening that aren't referring your podcast out to parents, I would highly suggest they do it because it's just getting your parents more educated Mm Mm-hmm. On the world of cheerleading,
1: and you don't even have to do it. Like, yeah. Right. Saves you so much time. Yeah. And I get to be what's really cool about what I like about the podcast and what a lot of people will comment to me or just like, you know, share it with they run into me at a competition or something is the one word I get always is transparent. Oh, you're so transparent on the podcast. And I go, yeah, it's easy for me to say it because I'm not speaking directly to my customer. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like really hard, like when they're your customer who pays you money and pays you tuition, you know, it's really hard to like say the truth. But when I'm speaking about parents in general, you know, it's easy for me to say it. And then the coaches to be like, man, I wish I could, you know, my parents need to hear that, you know? And so it's a lot easier for me to be transparent on what parents really need to hear or what coaches really need to hear. Gym owners really need to hear because I'm just speaking into I'm not speaking to Dan Cotton specifically. I'm just speaking to gym owners in general or parents in general and not you exactly. know, Susie's mom.
0: Yeah, it's for easier sure. to be direct when you're being direct to the the group in general.
1: Yeah, the Avatar. Yeah.
0: The Avatar, exactly. I, I'm known for being rather direct, so I, I hear you on that. <laughs> <laughs> we occasionally have clients who will come and, and sign up to join our academy and they're like, you know, what kind of coach do you think you'd vibe with? And they're like, well I really need someone who's like direct and going to hold me accountable, but maybe not Dan direct.
1: <laughs> not Dan direct. I'm
0: like, whoa.
1: <laughs> not like, Dan direct.
0: Like, I appreciate it, but it kind of hurts just a little bit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a little sugar. I need a little sugar.
0: <laughs> I'm not. Well, you know, I'm not that mean. I'm, I am honest, though. So what got us chatting about getting together again for the podcast, aside from the fact that I just enjoy uh, anytime we get to sit down and talk is I had posted in one of our academy groups, you know, what questions do you have right now? What are your burning challenges and questions? And maybe we'll put some of them on the podcast. And there were a number of good responses. And of course, you and in, in typical Jason fashion, were like, I mean, I'll just talk about all these. You can come listen to my podcast. <laughs> and I was like, let's do it together so and i know you were joking and just kind of giving me a hard time but also you do talk about a lot of these issues on your podcast as well um so i figured it'd be fun i actually have i almost never go into interviews uh and discussions with a ton of questions written out but i actually have the questions that they were asking kind of off to the side so i know what they are and we can chat about them sound good sounds like a plan all right well So the first one that kind of popped up, and these aren't in a particular order. I probably could have ordered them better, but I just went off of the flow of what people asked. Number one was we're in that time of year where we've gotten routines or we're getting routines and uh, getting ready to compete them. Some people getting routines a little later than others. And this owner wanted to know how to go about fixing choreography issues? Like if you've got an issue with the way the routine was put together or I don't know, kid quit, thing like that, like how do you approach tweaking your routines and fixing issues in choreo?
1: That's a good question. It depends on how big of a problem it actually is because what I really am trying to do is get the team to run full outs as quickly as possible. Not just like, Hey, we're doing full outs right now, no matter what, I'm trying to make sure they stay on on track to be able to run their full-out routine and be on track for the season. To me, that's kind of priority. So if it's a small issue where I can just have them, you know, let's say I'm replacing an athlete completely. I have a kid who broke her arm. I, I really need to have a permanent solution or a long-term solution for this athlete. I'm going to bring in uh, Susie. I'm going to have probably Susie learn all the building skills you know, right now. And she's just going to nugget off into the back until the team is at a place where I feel like we can take a day off or, you know, an hour off to actually plug her into the routine and make sure she knows all of the tumbling and the choreography and the dance and all those things. Like I really try to put the priority that we are going to be running full out routines. The other thing now we're probably going to be redoing some choreography for our junior two team. There are some things I don't particularly love. About the routine that, you know, it's going to take everyone to do. But it's what I have found is that it's typically easier for the athletes to change the routine once they've been running the routine. Now, I know Mm -hmm. that there's probably a train of thought where let's just change it immediately. And you can do that. If you have the, you know, the choreography prowess to switch the choreography yourself immediately, then yeah, switch it immediately. But what I have found is it's easier for the athletes to change the routine once they have a grasp of the routine as it is today. You know, and I always remember this, like teams would, you know, you're going and it's world season and you see a team at NCA and they they throw one pyramid and then by the time they get to Worlds, they have a completely new pyramid, right? They didn't score the way they wanted at NCA, And so they go in there, and they re-choreographed they have a new pyramid. Or they just get a new remixed routine heading into Worlds or Summit. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, like as long as it takes to learn the routine during the summer, why is it such a quick turnaround in the middle of the season? I always like played around with that. But yeah, it's just easier for the kids. Like at that time during the summer, they're trying to learn the skills and try to learn the routine at the same time. And once the kids have the skills, it's a lot easier to tweak the routine. So that's why I go with, you know, if it's not like super major then run the routine, get the kids in a place where they can run the routine. And then it's easier to kind of shuffle the pieces around as far as choreography is concerned.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting kind of observation. I've definitely, I've been that team, right? That performed a pyramid or performed something at NCA, didn't go the way we wanted and had a whole new pyramid, whole new whatever by the time we competed at Worlds or or Summit. And I I relate it to, I'm a, I'm a chef, I like to cook. If I'm going to make a meal, right, and I'm going to prep all my ingredients and then make my meal, it's going to take me a little bit of time. But if I prep all my ingredients and I have extra, I have all those same ingredients, I make the meal, I'm like, "Mm, not what I wanted, but I still have other ingredients. I can make something else in much less time. And it's because I have all those ingredients. I'm just remixing them. And it's kind of, I think it's that same thing and goes to what you were saying where, well, they already know the routine like most of the time when i'm remixing a pyramid or remixing a routine i'm just i'm not changing the skills that much i'm yeah. just changing the layout and a couple counts so one yeah, of the I like things that we i do the
1: pull ups of, i like that we do this transition yeah. we're just going to move this here and yeah
0: yeah and then you can just tweak it and like oh my gosh and it's weird how this is where the the choreography does make such a difference because i'm sure you've been in that position where you do make that change and you're like oh my god this routine is so much better uh, but I'm doing the same stuff mm-hmm. and it's just in how it's packaged. How do you guys do choreography in your gym? Do you, do you hire out or do you do all in-house?
1: Man, we're, we're the freaking worst. We hire out everything. We have a separate <laughs> choreographer for everything. Okay. <laughs> we have a, uh, we, I'll, I'll drop some names. Uh, we, we use next level. We use Chris Cox for our building skills. Well, just mm-hmm. for the elite section. Mm-hmm. And then Troy Hedgren does our pyramids And then Brendan Matthews puts everything together.
0: The Troy Hedgren. Yep. I'm doing the hand pyramid thing yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, we bring in all three. Yeah, it's usually in that order. Chris, Troy, then Brendan. And, Mm. you know, and we've learned to work that system. Before it seemed like everyone was kind of. I don't want to say selfish, but like, you know, they were trying to make their part of the routine, like the greatest, you know? And so right. we'd be leaving with, you know, a 14, eight count elite, a 16, eight count pyramid. <laughs> and then Brendan's like, I don't want to cut my choreography. You know, it's like, God, something's got to give. So they we've learned to like, you know, I've heard them like say, you know, it's funny when we first started, they'd say stuff like, well, <laughs> they they got to figure that out now. And now yeah. I hear stuff like, I'll save some counts for this person. I'm like, thank you, you know? So yeah, yeah. we do it, you know, that way, but.
0: Okay. So now I imagine having done that for a while, you have a good relationship with those people. Have you ever had to deal with the situation where you have someone out, they come do choreography and they leave and it's just not the product you needed and you needed to re rework that routine yeah. or, or certain sections dramatically?
1: Yeah, I think- I think that probably happens. Oh, I don't think choreographers ever really one hundred percent hit the mark. Even if it's a great routine, sometimes it's just too many eight counts. That was a great pyramid, but sixteen eight counts, right? Like the pyramid is absolutely perfect. Minus we can't have a sixteen eight count pyramid. So I think that happens often enough where we're like, even if it's something small, I don't like this motion. Like our kids just like that motion looks really good when Brendan does it, but Mm -hmm. they're you know they're junior one. Not that coordinated. And so, yeah, I, you know, we got to tweak that a little bit. So I, I think whether it's on a small scale or a big scale, it happens to some degree, you know, pretty much every time.
0: And I I, I just want to echo, I appreciate you saying, and I, I feel the same way, you know, you got to get running full outs sooner rather than later. And so sometimes that thing that looks like a, a major issue is not as big of an issue as you think it is. And so, you know, yeah, there's there's a little transitional problem. Set aside a time in one of your practices, say, hey, we're going to take an hour of this day mm-hmm. and we're going to go through, you know, those transitional problems and we're going to make sure those things match up. It always cracks me up, though. I do a lot of choreography within within the state. I travel a little bit just uh, here and there for people who who need some help with uh, routines and cracks me up how people will try to who don't understand choreography, don't understand routine layout, Who will be like, well, can we just switch? that back spot over there in the left corner with the one up here on the right front side, like, can we just switch them and, and trying to explain, I mean, yes, we can, but understand mm-hmm. we're going to have to stop right now. It's going to take us 45 minutes now to go backwards and mm-hmm. fix everything. Yeah. And sometimes that's not as simple as you may think, because that back spots back there because she doesn't tumble and that back spots up here. Cause she does tumble mm-hmm. and tumbling is right before this. And they tumble to the front. Like, so we may have to redo the whole routine just to make yeah. that one thing happen. So how do you fix choreography issues? It's tough. Very There's careful. a lot of, lot of answer to that.
1: Yeah, I, I like the taking one, one. One thing I would not suggest is trying to fix it a little bit at a time. Right? If you have choreography issues right now, right? Today, it's October, whatever it is, 15th, 16th. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be tinkering around with choreography, I would pick a day, whether it's right now or after, you know, some set point in the season where, okay, now we're going to go ahead and fix these choreography, you know, just loose ends that we need to do. But I want to tinker around with it. You got to make sure your practice is productive and getting, you know, things done and not tinkering around with these things. So... And I would,
0: I love that. I would also say, if you really have choreography issues, make a plan and then set a day, like, have them come in for a re choreography day. If you have that many issues, like, hey, we're doing a five hour practice, make a plan, have them come in extra, fix all the problems, and then get back to work. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you waste time just doing choreography at practices, you're not being productive.
1: Yeah. Okay. You can't so I work think we full ups and choreography at the same time.
0: No, it's nearly impossible, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I know I've cha- had challenges with over. The past couple of years and in general, it's always been an issue, right? But uh, as we get older, it's really easy to be like, man, these athletes these days and get all like in our curmudgeon phase. But I hear a lot of people talking about athletes being complacent nowadays. You know, athletes are just, they're just complacent. They just don't care. They're not putting in that effort And I don't want to dive into all the reasons why that might be the case. You know, people blame COVID, people blame the parents, people blame electronics, whatever. What is it that you would do to try and fix that? Or what do you guys do in your program to train your athletes to not be complacent?
1: I think the first thing I do is really just, it's a saying in our gym. I say it's, you know, and every kid has it memorized. How do you win practices? Or, or, sorry, how do you win competitions? By winning practices. And how do you win practice? One eight count at a time, right? And I'm really focused on just winning that day's practice and being our very best in that day. It's like, guys, we don't have to think about the whole season. You know, it's really just about trying to be our very best in whatever drill we're doing. So if we're going to go and do low VT, high V touchdown, make it the sharpest low V T high V touchdown you've ever done in your entire life and just be great in that specific moment. And then we'll move on to our next drill and we're going to do standing back handsprings and just make this one standing back handspring, the best one you've ever done. And I really try to make them attack and be their very best in that moment, because those moments add up to an entire practice and your, all of your practices add up to your season, you know? And so I tell the kids all the time, you are what you repeatedly do. And so we're just Mm -hmm. trying to repeat greatness on a small scale every single day. And it's a lot easier to motivate them just to be great in that one moment. Guys, just give me your best effort during this one rep, you know? And then now let's just do it one more time and then take it from there.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I've actually not heard that saying, which, I mean, I've never cheered at American. So I haven't, (laughs) I've heard the saying of you, you know, you win at practice, you pick up the trophy at competition and those kind of things. I haven't heard the, how do you win practice, break it down. So I love that. I think I actually just had this conversation with my world's team, uh, this last week, kind of similar thing where they were being a little bit complacent and it's really easy to get into that mindset of, Oh, we got time, Mm -hmm. right? We don't start competing until December. So it's like, well, you know, and, they don't go for a world's bid until late January, just the way competitions worked out in our schedule, and so it's kind of like, well, we've got until January. Like none of the competitions before then really matter; they're really just all mm-hmm. showcases. Mm-hmm. And so, why do we? Why do we care? And trying to get them to understand that turning it on a week before you go compete, it's not enough. You're yeah. not. You're not going to get nearly as far as you will if you turn it on today and work extra and do more and go beyond. I But I don't think that's just a kids these days thing. I think that's just kids and adults.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, and adults for sure. Right? You know how I <laughs> do this, man? No, I feel you. You know, I told, I've told this story on my podcast before and I've told it to the kids a billion times. But You know, Ashley and I, well, let me start with my parents. You know, when I was younger, my, it's Christmas, right? And we have all these gifts under the tree. And there's this like box under the tree. It's like this heavy box. And I, 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 am just infatuated with this particular box. I really want to open like this specific gift. I have no idea what's inside of it, but it's kind of weighty. And I'm just like, dude, what is this thing? Like, I was just so intrigued by this particular gift. And I really wanted to open it, and I'm like asking my mom, "Like, can we open one gift on Christmas Eve?" You know that whole thing. I like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. And so it's the first gift I open Christmas Day, and it's like a box of a thousand crayons. I'm <laughs> just like, <laughs> "You, you've missed the mark, Mom. Like, this was not the <laughs> gift I was open for, right?" And you know, do I really need you know 15 different shades of blue, right? Right. And so there's that and I, I compare that to Ashley and I used to do we used to have a family at PCM who had a um, had a rental in Palm Springs and so every summer she'd let us rent the house for a week. And so when we would go there, we would always get a thousand piece puzzle, right? And then we would, and we would just do the puzzle the whole week while we were there. We, you know, we'd spend mm-hmm. 30 minutes and do the puzzle. Yep. And you know, if you've ever done a thousand piece puzzle, it's super exciting every time you find one new piece. You get mm-hmm. one new piece and you're like, oh, I found his nose, and you're super you put that down. Like, oh, I found, you know, part of the street sign and you put that down. And every piece is exciting on a thousand piece puzzle versus when it's a thousand piece crayons, it's like, oh, another blue. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> another Tuesday. It's just the same as last Tuesday, right? And on a, so you have the option as an athlete and as a coach on how you view your season. You can view your season as it's just another Tuesday practice, or you can view your season as this is today's, you know, it's October 17th, the most important practice of the season. And this October 17th plays a vital role in completing our puzzle piece in our, you know, our complete picture.
0: Man, I love that. Uh, It's getting the athletes to see it that way. Right. And so I'm going to steal your story and I'm going to tell it like it's mine.
1: There you go. (laughs) No, I'm
0: not. Uh, (laughs) uh, But no, I, I, I totally dig that. And I like the, that correlation, right? You can either, it's either a box of crayons that you don't know really what to do with. And it takes a lot more creativity or you're finding that puzzle piece and you're slowly putting that puzzle together. Another thing we've really found to help is, and I I think you guys do it very well at American as well, is you have to focus on creating your culture of your gym. Mm -hmm. And when you create that culture, you have to be very intentional about how you reward and encourage hard work and encourage consistency. And, you know, those things that you value and those things that you encourage are the things that uh, your athletes are going to start to do. So I, I just think that's so important. And it's something we are always working on and always kind of reorienting on to try and make ourselves and our athletes better. But again, like I said, I don't think it's just a kid issue because if being complacent and being lazy was only a kid issue, then there wouldn't be any fat people. Like no one would be overweight. Everyone would be making good money. Like, cause everyone would be working. Everyone would be out there hustling all the time. It wouldn't be hard to get out of bed. Unfortunately, that complacent stuff feels really good sometimes, right? It's just, it's nice to sleep in. Here we are. It's, we started this at 6 30 AM Pacific time, probably because we both have a million things going on in our days. And in order to do this kind of grind and do podcasts and do these things, we got to get up early, right? We can't be complacent. So it's a choice. It's a mindset, right? So you, you mentioned two things. You One, know. what? No, go
1: ahead, go ahead.
0: You looked like you were about to like run away. I don't know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Ashley was, was yelling at
1: you. I was like, did he pause for me to speak? And I was just like, I was like, he's gonna get on to his next thing. And I was like, oh no, maybe he wanted me to comment on that. So I just started laughing. And I was like, my bad, that's me. I should have said something. Well, no,
0: but- you're su- you're supposed to comment, man, Dan. You're so smart. I don't understand <laughs> how you're so smart. That's what the response is supposed to be. Come on.
1: No, I got you.
0: I was waiting for my compliment. <laughs> So there's actually two different questions that I think relate to what we were just talking about or one you kind of uh, worked in that would take us to one of the questions and one relates to what we were just talking about. So we'll go to one that you've already talked about before on your podcast, but my friend, I feel it on a cellular level at this point, but athlete absences. Yep. I am ready to kick seven people off one of my teams or just bench seven people. So I at least will always have a full team at practice because I'm Mm -hmm. always missing three or four kids and it is making me insane. How do you, or do you have an issue with this? And if you do, how are you fixing it within your program? Because between sickness required school events. Now I don't know if you deal with this. I coach senior teams. We allow our kids to do high school cheer and now there's a bunch of football games on Thursday nights. So now nights that were not a conflict before now suddenly have conflicts. That and then kids going to college visits and a million other things. I literally can't have – I've had two full team practices with one of my teams since August.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm dying. What so, are you guys doing?
1: So here's the the one thing. As coaches, gym owners, I think we always have to realize – that everyone is dealing with the same issues. I think across the board, we're all dealing with the same issues. And so I think that we as coaches and gym owners feel like we're the only ones dealing with it. And what what really hurts us with that mindset is that we feel like the gym down the street is getting a leg up on us because they have all their athletes at practice and we're missing everyone. And the reality is all of us are missing athletes. We're all dealing with those same issues. And, you know, I went and visited a friend who I think listens to your podcast. And we went, we were working with them, and we introduced some new techniques to them. And the next week, I, you know, sent a text to check in. Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah. It's like, well, every time we have practice, you know, there's kids missing, you know? And so we can't do those things you taught us how to do. And I I text back, hey, homie, we're all missing kids. Like we're all, we're missing kids too. And I took a video of my junior two there and I go, hey guys, can I ask you guys a couple questions real quick? Do we have everyone at practice today? They're like, no. All right, guys, (laughs) on a scale of, you know, one to 10, you know, how often do we have everyone at practice like a three, you know, a two, <laughs> one, one kid's like a zero. I don't know. You know, they're all like these low numbers. Like, okay, so it's very rare we have everyone at practice, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, right? Then I go over to our senior four was, who was just about to start at that same time. Hey, you know, Red, come over here. Same questions. Do we have everyone at practice today? Uh, no. How often do we have everyone at practice? You know, scale of one to 10. And i are just like, you know, it's uh, like 10 being everyone? Yeah, ten being hundred percent attendance. Yeah, uh, that de- that never happens, right? And you know, it's all these low numbers they're shouting out, right. and so I send that over and go, "Hey, we're all dealing with these issues. So it's not about it's not about not dealing with the issue or have it's not about not having the issue. It's about the mindset that we have. Now we went and we did our first full outs uh, yesterday." And the athletes ran their first. So in our gym, if you hit, if you hit a zero deduction routine on your first attempt throwing a full out, you get to sign the Velcro strips, right? And so one of our teams did it yesterday. And so I had them write on the whiteboard. What did we do right that led us to this point where we were able to, you know, hit our first attempt at a full out routine? And I love this answer. And they said, we had productive practices regardless of how many kids were at practice, right? Because I really Mm -hmm. stress that to our athletes. No matter who's here, I don't care if everyone's gone, it's just you. The best way to make your team better is for you to get better as an individual. And I know Mm -hmm. the mood changes when you're missing kids. I understand the, the morale of practice just changes. It feels dead and feels like, dude, it feels like we're wasting time. But I always try to emphasize to the kids, it doesn't matter what we can't control who's at practice. We can control, you know, what we can control is that, you know, you 10 kids are here and us 10 kids are going to get better today. We're going to put in work. So when they are back, you know, we're one step, like, why do all of us have to take a day off because of whatever. Now that's just one thing for the coaches uh, about the mindset, like you have to be productive no matter who's at practice. What do we do as far as dealing with, you know, athletes being absent? Depends on a couple situations. So let me write this down so I don't forget. Second thing. First is we'll try to find subs, especially during the summer, you know, the mm-hmm. parents have to put in their vacation requests. And basically during the summer everything's like automatically approved. We don't, it's very rare that we say they can't miss during the summer. But if we know ahead of time, if I know Susie's going to be gone and Susie's a back spot on our junior two, then I'm going to call Becca, who's a back spot on our senior three. And she's going to come in and we'll do that all summer long to try to make sure we have full and complete stunt groups, you know, all summer long. And we'll just mix and match between teams. and, And our kids have been pretty good at like filling in and you know, substituting for athletes who are gone during the summer. I'll do it a little bit when the, when the season starts or like when we get back into school. Mm-hmm. I like doing it a ton because I know that it needs, I know that kids need like camaraderie and sometimes it, it feels like it takes longer to teach this kid the stunt. it just be better for them not to do anything today than to come right. in and teach this kid and they, you know, the chemistry's all off. But I'll bring in someone for pyramid. So I'll try to sub when I need to. The other thing that we do, especially as it gets later and later in the season and we're still having absences, is that I'll email our parents every time we do not have a complete team at practice. And I'll go, hey, I'm emailing you to let you know that, you know, senior two did not have a full team at practice today. All right. Okay, whatever. I'm a parent. And then Thursday's practice rolls around. Hey, I'm emailing to let you know that, Senior two didn't have a complete practice today. And it says something like, you know, we need everyone at practice. This impacts the whole team, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But when I do it the next Tuesday, next Tuesday after that, they they have a different perspective on athletes missing practice because so many times parents say when they when they want to miss, they'll let me know. She never misses practice. This is her first time ever missing practice in her 10 years cheering for you, right? I remember emailing for a program that's never had a kid who's missed practice before. We have a lot of kids that miss practice, you know, um, but it makes them see things from the gym perspective because they feel like my athlete never misses, so they should miss today. But the reality is, no matter who's missing at practice, mm-hmm. it always hasn't. It has the same impact whether it's Susie or Becca or Stacy who's missing practice. Like I still can't run the pyramid, you know. And I need to make sure the parents feel the pain as far as, oh, they do have a lot of missing practices. Maybe we can reschedule the dentist appointment for Wednesday instead of having it on Thursday this week.
0: Yeah, that's a I I might try that approach. Sorry, I hit my microphone there. Um, I might try that approach because I think that is such a good idea to constantly be letting them know, hey, we did not have a full team practice today because like my senior four, we've never done our full pyramid hmm never it's a lot of the like oh well she's she hasn't missed any practices this year look i get it i get how that's your excuse but she's missing practice and this girl's missing practice and this girl's missing practice and this girl got sick so now four athletes are sick they're all in different groups in the pyramid we can't do mm-hmm. a pyramid
1: yeah 100 like we
0: literally cannot practice that so last night we did full outs no pyramid because mm-hmm. And full outs with only three groups building stunts out of six because we were missing people. So I, I like that idea. That's a that's a good that's a good idea. And I appreciate also the concept that everyone's going through it, right? And I, I always have to remind myself of that. You know, I have a lot of friends from around the country. I just had one of my good friends from Top Gun out here, and we were talking about the same thing. She was like, We have people mispractice. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I would love to say we don't, but we do. So I love your idea of or your concept of how you make practices productive. Really quick, what are, how do you make practice productive? Like when you're missing, let's say you have no stunt groups because you're missing one kid from each group. How do you make that practice productive? How would you approach that?
1: Sounds like we're doing a lot of tumbling. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that would be a day if I'm, if it's again, October 16th and I'm missing, I have a stunt group missing or everyone missing in a stunt group today. Like one person, all the flyers are gone. Then usually during this time, we're really going to be focused on preparing our athletes to run a full out routine. And we'll start cleaning the routine a little bit later on in the season. Well, we're going to run some stunt group full outs. Actually, this just happened with us last week. And this is just a different idea, but this just happened to us Thursday's practice. This past, this most recent Thursday that happened. It was senior night for, like, high school football games and then homecoming at the same time for Mm -hmm. a different school, right? So we have all these athletes missing for homecoming and then all these athletes missing because it's senior night. So we literally do not have anyone up, right? It's like 10 kids of the 17, I think they're on that team. And so I actually had them. I didn't do this part on purpose. I let our senior three plan practice on Monday on Wednesday's practice. So Thursday, I was like, hey, we're going to let you guys play in practice. And they had to happen to plan a practice with no one there. And, you know, what was funny is they did what I would have done. They did full out routine or full out tumbling routines. They did a couple of those each. And then they just picked sections that they wanted to clean and tighten up. Okay, we're going to clean and tighten up the uh, standing handspring tucks. We're going to clean and tighten up. The jump section, we're gonna do our jump conditioning, right? Bowls obviously really focus on on the tumbling skills of the routine. Mm -hmm. So again, it would usually focus right now. We typically focus a lot on conditioning and making sure they're strong. They did do some conditioning, but I would then focus on, okay, even though we do this a little later in the season, we're gonna focus on tightening up this section, tightening up the dance. Mm -hmm. Now you obviously you can't run your whole season like that. You have to have a time when you have everyone at practice, but I just want our athletes in the mind, in the mindset that we're not going to make excuses. And that's really what I want our athletes to really focus on is that we're just not going to be a team or a program that makes excuses because of whatever, because the judges, there's not a checkbox on the score <laughs> sheet this all that the says, time. <laughs> yeah, it says, Hey, did you have everyone at practice? Oh no, you didn't. Okay. So we're going to lower the bar for you guys yeah. and, and, you know, grade you on this curve. You know, you get two minutes and 30 seconds, regardless of what season you've had so far no regardless of your attendance you get two minutes and 30 seconds make the best out of it
0: absolutely i i i actually use that same statement with my kids all the time I'm like there there is nowhere we don't submit a note that says well this kid quit and this person got hurt and Mm -hmm. we were missing a bunch of people the judges don't care they do not care about that like they might as a human being care about your challenges but Mm -hmm. they don't care from a judge's perspective so there's no pity points you just got to execute and no excuses no regrets is actually one of our core values in our gym and we have it yep. literally at our door it says enter with no excuses and on the other side it says leave with no regrets i love um, that i love that it's <laughs> i wish they followed it more often but we always refer <laughs> back to it but yeah that's such a such a core piece is to make that productive and and like you said clean those tumbling sections right there is a entire, how do you win competitions execution in the bottom half of the score sheet? Well, the bottom half of the score sheet doesn't actually require stunt groups. It, it requires mm-hmm. you to work on your performance. It requires you to work on your dance and you can work on dance with smaller groups. I know it's not perfect. And you might say, Oh, well, I'm going to clean this whole section. and Then these five kids are going to come back and they're going to be off count. Okay. Well, the other 10 are on, so mm-hmm. you're working, you're doing better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's such a such an important aspect. I, I told my kids last night, though, I was like, I want you to think before you send me that text message that says, hey, I can't make it to practice tonight. I want you to think about all your teammates because not, not think about how you're letting them down. Think about how you're making me angry and how they're going to have to deal with it. And you're going to be gone because I <laughs> cannot handle, I'm going to lose my mind. The amount of kids that will text me, we have practice at 530. They'll text me at 515. Hey, I've been really sick all day. I'm not going to be able to make it to practice. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I've already made a practice plan. Yeah. Which that is, I think, where I get the most frustrated is I'm like, I have this plan. I'm stoked for practice. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And then 30 minutes before three kids tell me they're not going to make it. And my blood pressure goes, oh, through the roof. Yeah. Cause I'm like, well, I guess I'm making a new plan. I guess I yeah. wasted all that time. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, dude, you just don't choose violence. And <laughs> what you didn't know you were sick this morning. Couldn't yeah. you have at least warned me and said, Hey, I'm really sick. I don't know if I'm going to make it to practice tonight at 8am. So when I made like finalized the practice plan before I drove to the gym, yeah, I could have been prepared. Kills me,
1: <laughs> you know. Dan, I was really ready for that to be like, think about your teammates, you know, think of you know, like inspiration. You're like, think about how angry <laughs> I'm gonna be and how pissed off I'm gonna. I'm gonna take it out of your teammates.
0: <laughs> yep, they're gonna suffer there because you <laughs> I'm annoyed. And I, I, you know, I literally, I I tell myself, I like, I I do a little bit of prayer. I'm like, I am patient. I am kind. (laughs) I am not easily angered. And then I turn around and I see no stunt groups go up. And I, my, Mm -hmm. I I know God's supposed to help, but um, (laughs) in that moment, I'm not like screaming at the kids, but like, they're going to have a harder practice and I'm going to be less forgiving of their errors because I'm already annoyed that we're missing a bunch of people.
1: Well, you know, honestly, this has been great. Having the athletes, I didn't do it on purpose. It was just coincidental. I guess I knew, I guess I I didn't know those kids were going to be missing, but I wasn't anyway, but having the athletes plan their practice when we had all those athletes missing, because they they knew we had all those athletes missing and they got to plan it and they got to plan their own productive practice. And it was really hmm. cool because they sat down. I say, you guys have 10 minutes to plan practice. And, you know, they sat down and they came up with, you know, a practice. I'm like, hey, this looks good, you know, and it, you know, filled up time. and It said it, 8.55, said it, practice ends at 9. 8.55, end practice on time. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I feel – that was a personal shot.
0: <laughs> are, you a, are you a go-over person? Do you go over on time?
1: I'm a – we're practicing until 9 o'clock. And, and then um, I'm going to talk to you. And then when we talk to you, you know, I could talk, right? So, but you know, it's funny over the years, I used to be, when I first started coaching, I was definitely, we're practicing until we get it right, you know? And so whenever practice ended is when it ended. I was like that for a long time. And then I started becoming more letting the kids out on time. And I would just let them out no matter what, no matter what, we were at least going to end practice at nine o'clock. And I would talk to the kids. It was very I don't want to say very rare, but it was rare that I really held them over like 910 and we were still like running pyramids, right? That happened mm-hmm. like very rarely. But this year I've gotten more back to finishing practice, even though it's still because I've been so it's been so ingrained in me to let the kids out on time. I don't do it as often as I probably should. But a part <laughs> of me was here's the two things I was balancing letting the athletes out on time, because that's the right thing to do. And it's, I'm trying to keep my customer happy and not, you know, make them mad and all these things. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of sacrificing the product, which is what we all want to have. Mm -hmm. You know, if, you know, our senior three didn't get a paid bid last year. We didn't make it to finals at Summit. And it was not so much the paid bid, even though I know that hurts financially, but when the kids didn't make it to finals, you know, they're all weeping and bawling and there's snot everywhere. And it was just a sad, sad day in the program, right? How many of them would have traded 15 extra minutes, you know, sporadically throughout the season to avoid that moment, right, to make it into finals? And all of them would have said, no, I would have done 15 minutes extra, you know, three times Mm -hmm. a month easy, four times a month, easy to have made finals. Right. And, you know, so I, I I don't think I was letting the kids out on time for the right reasons, you know? And so, yeah, I think I'm going to get back to, you know, making sure that we've gotten our work done. Not where I'm going to, we're going to stay here till you guys hit the pyramid, but like you just making sure our work is complete before we go home, you know, cause we all do overtime, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes you got to stay until the work is done. So there you go.
0: That's interesting. I have not, I had not thought about that. I'm a end on time person, 100% every time. I don't like going over. But I mean, I, I hear where you're coming from and I, I don't disagree at all. Part of why I end on time though, my practices are back to back. So it's like 7.30, I'm going to dream now. And so yeah. get off the floor. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. Because you didn't practice hard doesn't mean that that team now suffers and has Mm -hmm. to start practice late. Interesting. I love that though. I mean, and what I encourage is I encourage kids like, look, if you aren't getting it right, you stay after, right? I can't Mm -hmm. necessarily coach you, but your group should be off on the side working because like you were saying, those extra minutes add up. I mean, an extra 15 minutes a week, if you practice three times a week, that's an extra 45 minutes Mm -hmm. a week. By the time you have gone a month, if you do that every single practice, you've had an extra, what, two practices, maybe three practices worth of reps. Can't argue with that. It's just 15 more minutes a day. So you previously mentioned, and I know you've talked about her many times on the podcast, but you and your spouse, Ashley, work together in the gym. And one of the questions someone had is about co-managing with your spouse. And how do you... (laughs) How do you, how does someone manage that? How does someone manage co-managing with their spouse? I don't know, Ashley, as well as I know you, but I know she is what some would describe as a force. Um, <laughs> so, true. How do you, with two very um, strong personalities, manage running your gym with your spouse?
1: Very carefully.
0: <laughs> I answer this question. Yeah. Yeah, right. Carefully.
1: (laughs) No, I think there's things where she is the boss and I default to her. And I go, whatever Ashley says is what we're doing on that. And there's things where where I'm the boss and whatever I say, as long as Ashley approves, we're (laughs) going (laughs) to (laughs) do. So, but, you know, like when it comes to our staff meetings, She doesn't like tell me like what we're going to like, like that's something that I do. I put together our staff meetings, the things we're going to talk about. Obviously I cut her time and go, Hey Ash, is there anything that you need to cover in today's meeting? And you know, Mm -hmm. she'll say yes or no and cover whatever she needs to cover. But for the most part, like that's like what I do. I do all the staff meetings. Most of the parent emails you know, I'm going to be the one that answers those, and I I do. You know, sometimes parents will email her specifically, but there's something like showcase is something that Ashley spearheads. We have a couple of a fundraisers that fundraisers that Ashley is directly in charge of, and I do not have anything to do with them. So we have like certain things that is completely Ashley or completely me, and you know, I think Ashley and I have done a decent job as far as communicating when we. You know, need to talk about whatever. And, you know, that's life. Yeah, you, I mean, you have to learn how to communicate with your spouse. Obviously, you got married, so you guys have some form of communication. There's got to mm-hmm. be some foundational communication there where you guys, you know, talk about things. But, you know, high school, what I have found out is that I'm a sucker. And that, you know, I want <laughs> the kids to miss, you know, if they want to do high school cheer, even though I, I don't like that they do high school cheer, I, I – It's harder for me to say no to the kids doing high school cheer than it is for Ashley. So for the first time ever, I was just like, you know what? No, this is Ashley's deal then. If you have to miss because of high school cheer, homecoming, whatever, like if it's high school, a game, you're going to Ashley and Ashley's going to be the one that tells you, you know, the parameters around that. She doesn't have a problem telling kids, you know, how it is or how it should be when it comes to that. And so that has been great. That has absolutely been great. Me saying, no, this is now Ashley's thing. You're not coming to me. So kids come to me. Hey coach, I got home. Nope. Go to Ashley. She's going to tell you, you know, how that's going to work out. And so we've just done a good job of like dividing the program and saying, you know, when it comes to this, these things are what Jason's going to take care of. And when it comes to this, these are things that Ashley's going to take care of.
0: Yeah. that And that would be my recommendation too, is, is have your lanes. And I think where people get confused is they think, okay, well, we set our lanes and now I don't touch their lane. I know nothing Mm -hmm. about it. I'm completely hands off. I wouldn't recommend that. I think you Mm -hmm. need to be communicating about one another's lanes um, Mm -hmm. because that's actually going to prevent those fights later on where – a problem comes up and you didn't know anything about it. And you were, and now it's like, what is wrong with you? How are you Mm -hmm. doing all this stuff wrong? Whereas if you understood the process, you would be less reactive in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm all about having your lanes, but then like you said, good communication. And, and I'm a big believer for those of you that are listening that are business owners with your spouse or managers with your spouse, you know, set specific times to meet and talk business. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to meet like Tori and I actually meet every Monday. We meet every Monday from 10 to 11 and we have our owners meeting and we go Mm -hmm. through things that need to be happening within the gym. Do we talk about the gym outside of those meetings? Absolutely. But it gives us a formal time and that's just what we talk about. We don't, we're not talking about our kids. We're not talking about anything else, but just owners related, you know, 30,000 foot stuff related to Mm -hmm. the gym. And I think that helps reduce tension and conflict, because the last thing you want to be doing is laying down in bed and being like, all right, has so, so-and-so so paid their bill yet? Or mm-hmm. are we kicking this kid off the team? Like that's just not, not healthy.
1: Yeah. I, feel like I thought you tr- got to figure out how to fire this lady.
0: <laughs> yeah, that too. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's another one, right? Oh, we're talking about an employee. How much time as a, I mean, you have some pretty awesome employees that I've met, but like Man, employees suck sometimes. Like they're great; they they absolutely make the world turn. You couldn't run the gym without them. But holy moly, they can be a major headache if you don't have good ones. If mm-hmm. you have good ones, man, they're they're amazing. But even your best employees, you're going to get frustrated with. Yeah, like you're going to have those days where you're like, "What is wrong with you?" Mm-hmm. Because we're human and we all make mistakes and errors.
1: Yeah, it was a good. But book God, I, I went read. through a
0: couple. I went through a couple years where. I think every conversation Tori and I had was complaining about our staff and this was wrong and that was wrong. And it was just miserable. So yeah, don't talk about that stuff in bed. Hell yeah, Separation. Okay. I got a couple other questions for you. We've been going for a while. We're the worst two people to podcast together in some ways. Cause we both like to talk. Yeah. Um, it's good.
1: People listen on their way. They're driving into work right now. They're stuck in traffic. They need exactly. the extra. Yeah.
0: Except all our listeners out in freaking like Nebraska, where there is no traffic, and they're just <laughs> bebopping yeah. down the road. I I actually don't know. Nebraska may have traffic. I, driving through the cornfields.
1: There you go. Um, <laughs> it's in corn in Nebraska.
0: <laughs> is corn? In, oh yeah, corn's in Nebraska too. Yeah. right. <laughs> all right. So uh, two things. One of these I actually stole from ASGA. Someone had mentioned it. And maybe you don't deal with this at all. Maybe you're just so chill that it's not your thing. But how do you manage stress on competition days?
1: Ooh, you know what's funny? I saw that on ASGA and I screenshotted it for my podcast. Now, I hadn't given any thought to it really. So this isn't going to be a, you know, none of these answers have been prepared, but I don't want anyone to I don't do well, that screenshotted for my it, listeners that know.
0: I don't let my people prepare. Yeah. I want their organic
1: answers. Yeah, the real answer. The answers is <laughs> to get them canceled. Hey, Dan, we got to cut that out. <laughs> I got to tell this story. It was so funny. Kristen asked me – so I'm on her podcast, Cheer Mom Podcast, last week, and she asked me a question, and I go, no. <laughs> she goes <laughs> – not at all. I'm like, not at all. And it was answer she really wanted me to say yes to. And so <laughs> it was so funny. And anyway, we laughed forever about it. And she's like, you know, she talks to her editor. She's like, Sally, we're going to go ahead and cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you should have warned me that you were asking me that question because I definitely told you. Yeah, you should have asked me that because the answer is a hard no. By well, after tempered the podcast, myself. you're going to yeah. have
0: to tell me her question because now yeah. I'm so curious on yeah, what the hard so no funny. for Jason
1: was. <laughs> no, not at all. And I wanted to elaborate, but I was like, no, I can't do that to her audience. I'll just, I'll just give her the no. <laughs> I forgot. Uh How do you manage stress on a comp day? Whew, man, that's hard. When I read the question, I assumed it was talking about as a, how does Jason handle his own stress on mm-hmm. a comp day? Yeah, I think um, so. That's
0: how I interpreted it. It was, I think the coach said coaching anxiety.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the real thing is I try to get into a system, right? And just, you know, my push-ups and my squat, you know, my daily, my, my little exercise routine that I try to do in the morning, my reading routine that I try to do in the morning. Like I try to maintain those mm-hmm. things. I try to make sure that I have breakfast, you know, like I'm trying to make sure I do like these small, simple things you know and those things right there the the simple exercising the simple you know reading and then the um what was the last one i said oh eating breakfast those things right there help a lot and then planning out my day as far as okay what time am i meeting this team and then what do we need to make sure that we go over and like planning out your day Uh, i heard a really good quote um Making plans is bringing the future to the now and doing something about it, you know? And so that really helps me get through my day when I can like, when I've already been through it before. So one thing I always tell coaches is, you know, the first time you drive to a friend's house, right? You've never been there before. Hey, Dan, come on over, come down to Bakersfield, California you'd be really that feeling you get like that anxiety that you get when you're driving. Cause you've never been somewhere before. Like you're always looking mm-hmm. at the street signs and you're looking at the landmarks and you're just like, is it on the left side or the right side. We just all feel that, that tension in the air because you're, you you do not want to pass your turn and you don't know, is it coming? Like 200 feet? Like how far is that? Is that this, you know, light or the mm-hmm, next light? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but after you know, the second time you drive there, there's less tension. And the third time you drive there, there's less tension, right? And you can just, eventually you can drive there, you know, while eating a cheeseburger, right? And screaming at your kids in the backseat, right? <laughs> and you can do it super easy. Okay, I know how to get there now. And so if we plan out our day, then we've already been there one time. It takes away a layer a layer of anxiety for us where we don't have to like be worried about, you know, anxiety. We're just like worried about what's going to happen in the future. So that is one thing I would say, you know, also to do is try your best to like plan out like, okay, at this time we're gonna give the kids a water break. And we a hundred percent do that. At this time we're gonna give the kids a water break. At this time we're gonna go over, you know, what the warm-up room is going to like, you know, what our warm-up process is going to be like in the warm-up room. At this time we're gonna do, you know, we're gonna talk about our word of the day. And at this time we're in warm-up stunts and at this time we're gonna do this at this summer and go watch, you know, junior one and do that whole Mm -hmm. thing. So I plan out all of those things. Um, and that, you know, that helps me.
0: Yeah. I, I've read the question and I was like, I don't know if I'm the person to ask because like I I am that person on comp day that I'm the duck on water. Right. Mm -hmm. I may look calm, but like underneath I'm just pedaling as fast as I can because I do, I get stressed and it's, I've actually spent time like, reflecting on this. Last year, I made it a goal to be like, I'm going to be less anxious on competition days because I worry about my anxiousness negatively impacting the athlete's mindset. Because if Mm -hmm. they can tell that I'm not confident, then they are less likely to be confident in themselves. And so I have to try and own my piece of the pie. But like from the moment warm-ups start, I'm good, right? I'm generally good Mm -hmm. through warm-ups because I have something to do. The moment warm-ups are over, I am a freaking like internally, I am mm-hmm. still rest. Time is creeping by. I, you know, have that like high blood pressure. By the time I get to the front of the stage, I'm like my, my co-coach Jen laughs the one of the years we were at summit in finals uh, and we were in first place. She was like, I thought you were going to, I seriously was ready to call an ambulance <laughs> Yeah, because I was so like, <sighs> Like just yeah. deep breathing. Like I wasn't obviously like grabbing my head, but I was like bending over deep breathing, trying not to like, cause I couldn't, you're out of control. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's the feeling that I think a lot of coaches battle is that look at that moment, you're in control of nothing. Yeah. Um. But what I've tried to train myself for is, but what I am in control of is myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm, I don't know if I'm really in control of myself, but I'm trying. Um, (laughs) That's why like, I'm, I'm the weird one. I want to watch my teams from the front, but if like, I have to play music, I'm actually kind of happy about it because it gives me something to do. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm more, so I'm all about finding things for yourself to do. Even if those things are arbitrary, right? Mm -hmm. Count the number of athletes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna count. Make sure I have all of my athletes. Um, I'm gonna give myself something to do. I'm gonna go say a positive affirmation to each one of my kids. Sarah, you got it. Susie, you're the best. Sally, I don't really like you, but good luck. Right? I'm kidding. <laughs> I do. um, don't
1: mess it up for everyone else, kid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> don't you mess that up. I'll never forgive you. <laughs> but like, give yourself things to do. I think would be my biggest suggestion, especially if you're a Type A personality. I love the routine thing. I think that's also hugely important. I don't think I might try that because I don't follow my routine on competition days.
1: No, it gives you. I mean, you'll know exactly. So and we get in that workout. We do it do a things. couple of different ways. We have Ashley does the. We call it the play by play, and mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. it's intense. If you've ever seen it before, it is wake up at six a.m. or you know it starts with the, like, the meet time. So meet the team at seven a.m. And then everyone has is color coded, right? Jason's in red. I don't remember anyone else's color, but Jason's in red. <laughs> and you know, Bailey's in blue or whatever the case uh-huh. may be. And it has a whole play-by-play sca- exactly what you're supposed to do at that time. Now that's for the whole staff to okay, this person takes this iPod over to this person. This person takes the music speaker over this person. This person's gonna take the crossovers over here. Jason starts warming up senior uh red, right? But on mine, so Ashley has that. It says start warming up, and they'll say what time I have to take them the warmups. And then my I break down. You know, I start warming up at twelve p.m., and then I break down everything I need to do between twelve p.m. and one p.m. When I actually take the team into warmups or whatever. But those like keep like keeping yourself occupied with knowing exactly what you need to be doing like at that time. That has definitely helped because I I, I think and I think all coaches are stressed out on comp days. It's just, you know, it's all of your, your life's work, <laughs> you know. Can they do it today, Packaged please? into two you
0: minutes know? and 30 seconds.
1: Yeah, you know, and anything, and we know that anything can go out there, and ha- no matter how prepared the kids are, anything can happen. And we've mm-hmm. seen it so many times where it's just like, that never fell, that kid never touched down, ever. And mm. of all the days, it was this day, it was day two of, you know, this event, you know? And so, yeah, I think we all have that. I I know, I know that I for sure have that anxiety, you know, and just, I'm just like worried that something is gonna go wrong, you know, and I just try to enjoy the ride. (laughs) You (laughs) actually just just reminded
0: me day two. So I'm interviewing Justin Carrier this week.
1: Oh, shout out. Let's go
0: excited. We talked a little bit beforehand and one of the questions I, I do have to ask him is, when are we going to go away from this stupid twenty-five seventy-five game?
1: Because
0: mm. I hate it.
1: What, Why do we do, do day one?
0: Why do we do day one? It doesn't matter. You can be six points ahead. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's only twenty-five percent of your score. That means nothing.
1: It, especially, know, it means especially with day two some...
0: jumps being up to yeah. six, seven points now, like. If you have a really great day one and a mediocre day two, and someone has a bad day one and a great day two, they will win. Mm-hmm. Even though you had two more consistent performances because you're, less, you're not as good one was day two, you won't win. You
1: know, it's funny, it's changed over the years. Well, 2575 has been the same, has been consistent, but. 25, the t- day one to me used to be the more important today. Used to be the more important day. Day yeah. two definitely is the more important day now. But day one to me used to be the more important day because the scores didn't fluctuate as much. Mm-hmm. Basically, if you got an 8-7 in dance, or uh, dance is a bad example. If you got an 8-7 in stunt technique, you got an 8-7 again the next day right before drivers, once drivers got introduced and they actually were judging each single performance, then that's when it flipped, you know, and before people used to be, I remember California All-Stars used to do this a lot, is that they would throw their real routine on day one and on day two, they would go super conservative because their scores were already locked in For day Mm -hmm. two and they throw Mm the super conservative routine and their scores wouldn't change at all, but they, they would go out there and they would hit the routine and, and, you know, win the competition. And that has like really changed with, well, now code of points, you know, you already know what you're going to do here. And then technique wise, you know, there's the drivers and all those things. So there's those big fluctuations. So yeah, I mean, we're one of those teams we scored like a 95 on day one at NCA we scored a 99 and some change on day two and we came back and we able to win, you know, but yeah, but I had been pissed. <laughs> I was someone right. that like, it's you know, nice it benefited us. Yeah. comeback kid, sure. Right.
0: But I just, with the current system, 50, 50 makes sense. Both days mm-hmm. should matter the same mm-hmm. because we're now seeing massive point swings. Yeah. And with those massive point swings, if you have that massive swing on the day that matters more then you see a significant jump. I just feel like with the current system as it is 50, 50 makes more sense. How do you Um, feel about
1: the, um, the, the swinging scores? I think that's what they call it. The
0: floating 25, 75. Yeah, the floating. Yeah. I personally don't see why any day is less important than the other. Yeah. I just don't see why we don't make them both equal. If we're doing Mm -hmm. two performances, make them both equal performances. I get the idea of like, well, anyone can have a bad day. So we're going to give their worst day, the 25% score. I'm still, I mean, that's, I think that's better. Mm-hmm. That is better than the day one, 25 day two seventy five, 75. Cause I just don't think that makes any logical sense. And then we go to end of season and it's clean slate each day, which I think is the only way to do Mm-hmm. Summit and worlds, uh, because potentially different panels and different arenas and all sorts of different factors. people who were in wild card are now in your division. So I think that makes sense. but i'm not I'm not a fan of the twenty five seventy five i've I've had teams beat us that had we were I literally had a a routine last year. We were six and a half points ahead. Mm-hmm. There were some scoring errors in my opinion the day before of the team that was behind us. And they actually got a dance score, but had a routine stoppage and did not perform a dance. Hmm. But they came back and beat us because we had two stunt drops on day two and they hit zero. Well, those two stunt drops on day two, which we dropped 100%, Mm -hmm. they had two drops. They had a major building fall and a drop on day one, but those were only 25%. Yeah. And that six point difference, when you make it a 25%, we were only like 1.25 ahead.
1: Mm -hmm. Well,
0: their score swung six and a half points and they beat us. Yeah. And I was like, well, by, by, we had a better overall weekend, Mm -hmm. but because they had a better day too, they won. I think that's a, that's a hole in our system. I feel Maybe they won't ever change it, but I think it's worth asking.
1: Uh, But I'm gonna ask him. (laughs) I'm gonna ask him.
0: (laughs) Or actually really what I'm gonna ask him is what is the (sighs) impetus? Like what is, why do they feel that is the right fit? That's really what I want to understand you know, is it, is it the right fit? And is that something they're changing? And he's not super involved on the scoring side of things anymore, Mm -hmm. but we are going to chat about scoring and how they've created the new score sheet, why they made some of the decisions that they did, uh, because I'm very interested to hear that from them. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, I think it's great. I think people need to spend more time asking questions rather than making accusations, which we Mm -hmm. see a lot online. Knowing the people that I know within varsity, I Look, I get it. I have my issues with varsity. I told Justin, I was like, look, I call you guys out when I think you need to get called out. I praise you when Mm -hmm. I think you need to get praised. But knowing the people I know, I don't, I don't feel like they're sitting around in a room full of cigar smoke and whiskey glasses going, how can we, you know, (laughs) hose over the small gyms? Yeah, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Like, I just don't, they're not those people. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, okay, why'd you make that decision? And you know, help explain to all of us what you're doing and why you're doing it so we can at least hear your perspective. We don't have to agree.
1: But we can Um, at least go, okay, that makes sense. Because he might say something, oh, you know, this is why we do this. And you can still go, yeah, I really don't agree with that. But I see how you logically got there, Mm -hmm. you know, as a company, right? How we, oh, yeah, that makes sense that you guys landed on, on there. And I still think we need to change it. But I see that we are, you know, it makes sense that you went from, you know, A to Z now.
0: Yeah. It it always cracks me up. I was listening to, I can't, I think it was your podcast and you were interviewing a judge who was talking about our score sheets changing all the time Mm -hmm. and, and talking about how the score sheet changes all the time. And I hear, see it all the time too. People are always like, why does the score sheet change all the time? This is so stupid It needs to stop changing all the time. And I'm like, cause we complain all the time right? <laughs> like, yeah, we are constantly complaining about how the score sheet is messed up and the old one was better or it needs to do this and that. And the other thing. So in an effort to meet our complaints there, they make changes. Mm-hmm. So it's a comical little circle there. I think yeah. as I watch. Okay. So my last question for you, cause I know you got to get on about your day. This is one you might have to think about. All right. Okay. And I should have, I, I like wrote this one out and I was like, I should tell him about this ahead of time. But we're just going to throw it on him because he's a storyteller. One right. piece of advice that someone has given you that either helped you be a better coach, a better father, or a better spouse. And it could be all of the above.
1: A better spouse was keep dating your wife. That was, that's one thing I've really taken to heart is to keep dating Ashley And we really try to make it um, a point to go on our regular dates. You know, Joey, what's crazy is how much, you know, we had Joey. Joey's three now, but we were several years into our marriage. We had been married five years by the time we had Joey. And so, you know, it was like a new wrinkle in our life. And so I see how kids put a challenge in dating, right? Um, Especially, Mm -hmm. you know, when Joey was first born. And she was first born, it was – you know, COVID time ish. Right. And so it's just like hard to get out and, and all those things. But, you know, we've really tried to like stay focused on dating each other and making sure we have our date nights and making sure we have like time for just the two of us to make sure like our foundation is strong with the two of us and not just that we're not just always only parents, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that we are, you know, husband and wife as well. Let's see. What was the other one? As a coach, I think as a coach, the biggest advice is to really love the kids no matter what. You know, they can be frustrating and they can, you know, they don't always do. You know, we want the kids to come in and hit all their stunts, land all their tumbling passes. You know, when we make a correction, they understand exactly what we mean and they go and fix it and just have perfect days. But the reality is we're not going to have perfect days and they all have different, Attitudes and personalities and things that don't necessarily, you know, fit with our temperament as people. But at the end of the day, I try to really make sure that the athletes know that I love them and that I'm proud of them no matter what. Not that I just love them when we hit a routine or that when we win, but that through the ups and the downs that I love them and I'm proud of them no matter what. And then what was the other one? As a coach, as a husband, and as a as a father. Oh, as a father. Let's see, what advice can I give? Like I said, Joey is three. I guess the big thing I'm really trying to like give to Joey is one, to let her know I'm proud of her no matter what. But to really, I always try to pray. I got this from Jeff Benson, but I'm always trying to praise her, the character quality that allowed her to be successful and not just that she was successful. You know, she does her forward role. It's not, you know, great job on your forward roll. Oh, you know, baby girl, you've been working so hard at your 4 I'm so proud of your, you know, your hard work. Or, oh, you were so brave. You jumped all the way from, from the ladder to daddy's arms. Yes, she jumps off of a ladder into my arms. She does it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was like a step stool type thing. Yeah. But, you know, I always try to praise her, her hard work, her stick-to-itiveness, her bravery, like when she shares how nice that is, like I'm always just trying to praise her character qualities and not just the end result. And so that's my mm-hmm. my other big thing.
0: I love but it. Yeah. Those are all great, all great pieces best. of advice. All right, any uh, last parting words for our listeners? Anything that you were like, if Dan doesn't ask me this question, I need to tell them this.
1: No, I no, I just want to know about coffee and conversations. Oh, yeah. Where where do you do Coffee and Conversations at? Do you do it at the gym? Do you at Starbucks? You know, what's up?
0: Uh, we do it at the gym. Uh, mm-hmm. We go, we get some Einstein's bagels. We get some coffee takeaway things. And we just set out some tables and have bagels and muffins and coffee and sit down and chat. And you just actually do, doing,
1: do you have some structure to it or do you just go, hey, fire off?
0: It depends. This mid-year one, I had a couple things that I wanted to make sure I touched on but then we definitely have time for open questions and just general conversations. So we spent time talking about how to get into college and how to find cheer teams, um, spent time talking about the score sheet, spent time talking about, you know, judging and competitions and travel. The main things I wanted to touch on were attendance, Mm -hmm. competitions and travel and, uh, feedback on our summer schedule because we tried a really different summer schedule this year and I wanted to see how people felt it went mm-hmm. um, and because uh, that was really good information for us having done it and we're just not making that decision based off our personal opinion. Yeah so we did that this time and then our next our next get together is we have a parent mixer on the 28th of this month where we just adults get together and can meet parents from other teams so it's actually after our showcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're doing like a happy hour where we're going to just, Hey, the staff and owners are going to be at, at a bar at happy hour, having some appetizers, mm-hmm. uh, drinking a diet Coke or, or an adult mm-hmm. beverage if they so choose. If, and if they so choose, you know, pa- it's basically like parents are welcome to come hang out. We're trying to build more family atmosphere within the gym because we're at that point. We're not a D one gym, but mm-hmm. we're big enough that I don't know everyone. Yeah. Not well, but the coffee and conversation was kind of where it all started. And then we've now tried to expand that to other areas and do it more. So we normally do it at the end of the year and that one has a little more structure. You know, mm-hmm. what did you think of our competition season? Um, how do you feel about end of season events, all of that kind of stuff and just get feedback. But one, it lets us get feedback Two, It allows me to have, cause not everyone shows up, right? Mm-hmm. Never going to, but if there's 10, 15, 20 people that show up, now I have 10, 15, 20 advocates that are out there talking to the other parents, being like, oh, well, we just talked to Dan and he was saying yeah. this, or Tori said this. And now they're they're out there conveying the information as well. Yeah. So I love it. And it just builds relationships yeah, with your sure. parents who are an important part of your customer base. We spend so much time focusing on the kids, the parents oftentimes get neglected and if you have parents and kids who love being at your program, they're not going anywhere.
1: Yeah. So I love that. We, um we just got done on, we just had our parent, we call it the parent social, but sounds like your parent mixer or your mm. um, happy hour, but we just did our parent social this, this past Saturday at this just happened. So yeah, it's a good. time. It's always good. You know, you get out there and there's so many families that you just don't know, especially with mm-hmm. us. We've we're now at like 320 like athletes, you know, so 600 parents, yeah. you know, and so many come in that are just brand new and we have two locations in the same city. So they are only about 10 miles apart, but you know, I can only be at one location at a time and we run teams out of both of them. And so, you know, That's when I'm over limited. in our other,
0: I don't, why do you limit yourself?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I try my best. I thought you were awesome. Yeah. Right. But you know, when I'm over here, I I see these kids and these families, but I don't know who any of these kids or these families are, you know? And so it's good to get those, to be able to get out, meet people, you know, shake hands, kiss babies and do that whole thing. But I really like that coffee and conversations and real quick, I need, I actually need to have you on my podcast. Here we go. Official invite. We need to have you on the podcast (laughs) because I want to like dive into all this stuff and we're going to go another hour. (laughs) All right. Part two. And we're back. So All right, guys. I know all you gym owners want to hear more about coffee and conversations. So you're going to have to hear it on the Let's Talk to Your Podcast. That's fair.
0: Um, We're going to make them go over to yours.
1: Yeah. You have to come over to mine and listen And I'm not going to so. talk about
0: it on mine. So you're going to have to listen to the interview on the Let's Talk to Your Podcast. There you go. Boom. So, All right. Well, thank you, my friend. It was awesome. Excited to be on your podcast. And with that, everybody, we'll catch you on the next episode. Boom. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.